Welcome back to Money Stories with LDT. I'm thrilled to partner with Howland Capital in this new series to explore the importance of women's economic well-being. Charlie Clapp here, president of Howland Capital Management, been with the firm 30 plus years out of its 50 plus year history. And it's readily apparent to all of us how important women's roles in all of our families that we work with, how they are the glue that binds the families and glues the generations that we serve. It's no secret that women's influence is growing in economics terms, and we certainly want to be doing everything we can to ensure that our clients, men, women, and their next generation family members are all attended to um, because it's integral to everything that we do. We certainly have tried to embrace the importance of women's financial well-being, recognize they have a unique way of looking at things, particularly their wealth and how it can be a positive influence on their lives, their families' lives, and we remain committed to helping them do just that. And that spills right down to our own partners and staff and employees, because we certainly see firsthand how important all the women that work for Howland Capital have been and will continue to be. So as we look ahead, I invite you to listen and learn more about women's economic independence and strength. We partnered with Money Stories to help you do just that and help us fulfill those goals for all of you. To launch the series, we're joined today by Carolyn Beatty who co-leads Howland's tax division. As a tax manager, Carolyn's work focuses on tax preparation, corporate reporting, and corporate accounting. Prior to joining Howland, Carolyn managed the tax and reporting function for the Trust and Gifts Group at the Harvard Management Company and was a senior consultant at Deloitte in their Investment Management Advisory Services Department. During our conversation with Carolyn, She'll share not only her perspective as a financial expert, but also how she's navigating her own money story. It's a pleasure to launch the Money Stories program with Howland Capital and to welcome Carolyn Beatty to today's conversation. Carolyn, thank you so much for kicking off our series today. Thank you for having me. To set the stage for our discussion, I'd like to share with our listeners a few comments about why it's so important to engage women in this topic. Most women will be the sole financial decision maker at some point in their lives. In fact, some research says that as many as 90% of us will play this role. That's influenced by our life choices, life events, and long lifespans. However, at the same time, as many as two thirds of women say they really are not comfortable in with the topic of money and actually would rather talk about anything else. So how do we encourage women to gain the confidence, control, and connections to prosper financially? This is where our understanding of our own money stories comes in. What is a money story? A money story encompasses personal experiences, beliefs, and goals that shape how you feel and how you act when it comes to money. Our money stories evolve and they begin forming at a young age. So with that, Carolyn, let's dive in with you. You know, since many women say that they'd rather talk about anything but money, I'd like to start our conversation, if we could, by asking you to share some of your own early experiences about money. When you were growing up, did you talk about money in your family? 
were there any experiences that you can recall that influenced your own feelings and behavior about personal finance? Which, what's on your mind about this topic? Growing up, I'll be honest, we didn't explicitly talk about money, but I certainly saw it in action on, you know, every day. My mother was more the one who did the, uh, the day-to-day expenses, um, going to the grocery store, things of that nature. And then every Saturday morning, she would sit down in her armchair with a big cup of coffee while we watched cartoons and balanced her checkbook. And uh, that was always a kind of an exercise in uh, frustration. Uh, (laughs) Did you know that's what she was doing? Oh, yeah. We're not allowed to just disturb my mother. She was doing her bills, as she'd like to say. Uh, She still does it to this day. And uh, my father would eventually go over it at the at the end of the month or whatever, and just to see where the holes were and make sure it actually agreed to the bank. So that was always interesting. Uh, we had everything we needed, um, but they live. We lived pretty modestly, I would say. Um, I remember going to the grocery store with my mother uh, back in the '80s, and uh, she would keep track of absolutely everything she put in her cart, and she would have a running total in her head because at the end of the day, when she got to the um, the cashier, she had to pay for everything in cash. Uh, mm. No debit card. There was no wiggle room. Right. They often put that cereal, you know, back underneath the conveyor belt. <laughs> That's not coming home with us today. Um, but that was that was certainly something I remember her doing. I also remember her um, the the old good old days of uh, layaway purchases. Mm-hmm. Would uh, you know buy something at Marshalls or wherever, and uh, she would set it aside. And then, you know, we would, we would drop in periodically, make a payment on it. And uh, eventually it would, you know, maybe end up under under the Christmas tree uh, for us as a gift. So I definitely remember that. My father was more or less in charge of the bigger uh, priorities, but, you know, the cars, vacations, Mm -hmm. uh, certainly the education. uh, And he, he was always, uh, I remember him always saying to us, you know, don't ever count on a bonus. He said, a bonus is, is just that it's a bonus. He said, you can't spend it unless you, until you have it. So um, it's, it's something that's just always stuck with me about a him. real, a tangible lesson, really. Yes. A very tangible lesson. So um, they, you know, they usually paid off everything. Um, they didn't buy anything that they couldn't afford. So mm-hmm. they did, but he, you know, he, he, to this day still surprises me because he does, um, he does pull these things out of what seems like thin air. You know, you, you don't think you have enough money and all of a sudden he will, he will come up with money to buy a new car or, you know, to take the vacation. So he is, he's pretty savvy, but um, uh, doesn't, but you never see it coming. I'll put so it that. There's a lot of behavior in there. I'm hearing a lot of behaviors that they illustrated for you all. Yeah. <laughs> how to spend, how to save, no credit card debt. Right. Value system. Yeah, they definitely instilled a a value system. And then, you know, as we got closer to high school and college, we were expected to have summer jobs and to start savings, uh, saving for college. Um, But I I will say that I think college caught my parents off guard um, in a, in a, you know, as it were, um, we, I feel like the cost of college just exploded between when they went to college and when Mm -hmm. we ended up going to college. I, my father has recently said it that he should have they probably should have thought about it a lot sooner before they did it also didn't help that um i have two brothers three of us chose to go to an out of, out of state private mm-hmm. institution we ended up with a great education but uh i at the time was considering an in-state school and i had no idea 
the substantial difference between the, that school and the school I eventually chose. Um, so my, but my folks, nevertheless, you know, they wanted me to go where I was happy and uh, that's eventually where I went to, where I went. Um, but they, they had to find a way to pay for, pay for all this. And ultimately my father took a job in China uh, for two years. And that was a sacrifice on both of their parts. Um, you know, not only did he have to go to China where, um, you know, the communist aspect of it, the, the heat only went on in November, it went right off in March. Um, he was in a rural town where there weren't many other native English speakers. So he was very much alone on the other side of the world. And every time you called him, it was easily, you know, 10 second delay. So it wasn't a very fluid conversation when you spoke to him. And my mother stayed behind um, here to get my brother through high school and also hold down the fort. So she was, you know, she had to come to a different place in life where she was learning how to mow the lawn and uh, fix a pipe when it suddenly burst in the base in the basement and, you know, manage it, <laughs> a teenager on her own. So um, big, big sacrifice on both of their. Huge, very, very huge. And uh, interesting, your reflections that, of course, as a, as a young person, you just don't have the context to, you know, to know how to engage in that conversation, or if you should, you know, you just know, I'm supposed to get an ed education and that's a good thing. And so lucky me, I'm going to go. Well, Carolyn, moving forward now, you know, you, you have this really powerful money story from your family and now you're still creating your own money story, right? As a, Certainly. <laughs> as a grown up. We know, of course, that you're a financial expert, and we're going to get into that in a little bit later in our conversation, but cl clearly you're a financial expert and relied upon by your, your colleagues at Halland and many clients for your expertise. Um, but even with all that incredible training and experience, do you still ever experience any anxiety or, or stress about money yourself and your personal life that you can share with us? We, we absolutely do. Um... By nature, I am a, I'm a planner. So um, the day my kids were born, I was already thinking about college and, um, and how to save for that and how we're gonna meet that goal. I mean, juggled with saving for our own retirement, it's, it's always a, a, a real give and take there. Um, you wanna make sure you have both bases covered mm -hmm. to the day. <laughs> um, retirement is definitely a, probably a slightly bigger priority for us. The thing that we didn't see coming um, is one of my sons is, um, has a very significant learning disability. And uh, this came upon us when he was very, very young. And it was something that as much as we had planned for college, there was an immediate need to address the situation with him um, to help him along because it just wasn't gonna get any better. So um, we had to kind of uh, go back to the drawing board and see how we could accommodate his mm -hmm. and get him to the right place one of those big life events. And we talk a lot about life events and that's one that, you know, you could never have foreseen and then navigating what that's going to mean for your family, for him. And of course, finances being a big part of it. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that personal example. You know, I think sometimes uh, those of us who work in the financial world, people, Maybe our listeners think, oh, they have it all figured out, you know, lickety split, um, but we get thrown curveballs too. 
And, we certainly uh, do. <laughs> and, and then that those skills of talking about what that means in the family that you shared, you all grappled with it, you solved the problem, or you're solving it, working on it together. And that took, I'm sure, a lot of conversation. It took a lot of conversation. It took a lot of um, rethinking mm-hmm. and kind of changing our, our positions on different things. So. Adjusting, adjusting. Adjusting. Well, moving then with thinking about that adjusting, as you as you call it, as I mentioned a couple of statistics about women's lives, our, our lifespans, life choices, life events, sometimes um, work family choices or things that we may not expect, as you've indicated. Do you see these things playing out as you see Howland's clients and um, their lives? And if you do, I wonder if you might just to start on that avenue, give an example of maybe a good outcome and a, and a challenging outcome about how women's lives interact in general with you know, this whole finance and, and personal life together. Certainly from the perspective of having children, um, that is a, that's a, just a big game changer um, in, a, in a family dynamic. Uh, it, you know, I know I struggled with it um, in, in terms of you have to make a decision whether you're going to stay home or mm-hmm. going to, to stay in the, um, in the workplace and try to make it work. Um, you are very lucky if you end up in a place that has allows a lot of flexibility. Um, I guess COVID has made that a bit easier for everybody um, in terms of being closer to home and staying home. But um, the work pit, um, I think maternity leave has come a long way, um, but it's still, um, it's, it's still not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, I remember having to ask for extra time off to, you know, cause I didn't want to leave an eight week old baby at home. Right. And that is just never an easy choice. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I shared with some of my close friends, my own experiences and uh, it was, I'm older than you. So it was long, longer ago, but there was no maternity leave for adoption in my day. So I recall, you know, 48 hours later, like, okay, I'm the primary wage earner. I guess I'm going back to work. So I'm with you. Those, that, that, uh, that, that's an example of a life, a life event for women that remains fraught with many decisions. It, it does. Yeah. And certainly it's not even just, it's not even just about the paycheck. I mean, you're missing out on your professional mm-hmm. growth. And then also, I hate to say it, but your retirement savings were just not in that you know, a, a pension world anymore where you, you put in the time and you, you, you have to put in the time and the money and, you know, it'll come back to you at the end. But um, that was certainly a huge factor in my decision to stay in the workplace. And, you know, I, I liked what I did. I like what I do. Of course. I mean, they're, they're professional. All of, all of it is rewarding. That's part of our lives, but they're cost. And sometimes, sometimes we have to uh, pay those financial costs. So thinking about that topic, um, I'd like, maybe we can talk about some different age groups of women. I know it's hard to generalize, but um, maybe those who are in their 20s or 30s, would you have any advice kind of looking from your perspective now for a young woman who's in the early phase of her own money story? Um, are there any key decisions for someone who's in their 20s or 30s, you think that 
she could make that would impact her financial well-being short-term and long-term? Maybe that's career or savings or discussing, discussing money with partners. Anything for that age group? Absolutely. I think one of my number one um, tips that I give people is if you have any inclination to seek out a professional certification or an advanced degree, that is the time to do it. It just gets harder and life gets more busy. So I, I'll be honest, when I sat for the CPA exam, um, I was a little on the fence about going down this as a career path. I'll be honest, I was in the audit side. Now I do taxes, which is, is much more my, my style. Um, but I, I was encouraged and I did sit for the CPA um, exam and I, I earned that degree. And um, that was incredibly important. I don't know if I could have the time to do it now if I had to. Um, and of course, that the reason, in addition to, um, of course, you enjoyed the topic and the material and being competent and, and professional, that enhances your marketability, for lack of a better word, right? Absolutely. I mean, you can always, you know, get it, get it and let it lapse if it just doesn't end up being your thing. But if you have the time and energy, certainly you have the energy in your early 20s to study for something like that, you absolutely should make it a priority. So that education of any sort being a, yes, of course, a financial investment, but a long-term financial investment, really. Right. Mm -hmm. When you're at a company, um, you should absolutely know what their benefits are. Mm -hmm they work. Um, you should know what the, what the company, if there's a 401k, what the matching policy is. Um, when you vest in your in the retirement plans, that should all, you should absolutely know everything like that. I have seen people walk out the door and miss, miss vesting by, you know, two weeks. Um, they, they could have accrued a whole, you know, a lot more money if they had just stayed for another two weeks, so. Oh, wow, or, say, or not signing up saying retirement's a long way away. I'll think about that later and need the cash today. Right, or, you know, some, some companies even offer plans, um, they'll give you interest-free loans or very low interest loans. So if, if you are paying back student debt, that's certainly a good thing to look into. So I would say maximize your benefits, look into everything they have to offer. So if, if when those questions come to you and your firm through, your clients, you know, sometimes do you talk with them about their children or grandchildren or whoever, if they're at that stage, even if yes. they themselves may not be at the point of having an advisor, I'm sure these are conversations you have with families. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, if people have kids who are uh, young, um, but earning income, you know, always a recommendation is to, to think it, consider making a Roth contribution. Mm -hmm. um, it just, that just compounds so nicely and you, you just don't even know. <laughs> right. So those very specific early decisions, signing up for the 401k, understanding what the company's benefits are, what the rules are, asking someone who can help you understand the terminology if you need to, all of those things. Yes. So midlife, um, 40s and 50s. Um, I think we all know that midlife can bring a lot of changes with it, financial events coming along, whether that's related to children or work choices. You mentioned that amazing example of your dad going to China. Uh, sometimes these are good. Sometimes they're very challenging. I wonder when you talk with married couples in this age group, maybe in their 40s, 
Um, do you ever have the opportunity to approach that whole family dynamic about money and who's involved in it and what are some of the pitfalls to be avoided during that time of life? You know, as of late, what I've seen is um, one spouse always seems to be in charge of the finances. And I think that is a huge pitfall um, because it's hard to get everybody on the same page. Um, I, I am a strong proponent of having a financial advisor. Um, it, it is, it's absolutely worth its weight in gold to A, have a third party in mm -hmm. a conversation um, to objectively look at a situation. Um, it is, it's very hard to sit down sometimes to, just with your spouse and make a big, big decision or to actually even find the time to sit down with your spouse. So if you have that third uh, party financial advice, it's, it's a huge help, A, objective, and B, um, they schedule regular meetings that you both have to show up to and be a part of, make the decisions together, set the priorities. So if there's a listener who hasn't been doing that and there's a financial advisor, but there's also a set of habits that have already been formed, uh, just do you have any instinct about how someone who is listening and they say, hey, I really should be involved in that, but I just haven't been. And now there's, there's this whole uh, set of habits going on and I'm not part of it. Any ideas on how someone could begin to enter that conversation? Off the top of my head, I'm going to say, one, if there is correspondence between you and your financial advisor, make sure you're both on it. Mm. Even if you're just being blank carbon copied, you have a copy of the email. It's easy enough to read. Um, I think that's a, a big thing. And the other thing is, is look at your tax return. Um, I, I have a lot of clients that the husband or the wife submits 100% of the information. It sails through, they e-sign it. Nobody really even looks at it. Um, it's, it's very important to take a look, to see what you have, what you hold, um, where your income is coming from and uh, what deductions you have. That is a great example because that's something we all do every year, right? We know what's coming and we, we know that's a family activity one way or another, whoever does it. So that's a great, very tangible example because we, we're signing it. You're signing it. And, you know, it's, if you're hiring a, somebody to prepare your taxes, then you have every right to sit down with them and ask them questions. What is this and what is that? And you're, it's going to only further your own education and make your own a better decision-making process. Right. That's a, that's a terrific example. I'm going to remember that one myself. <laughs> um, I, you know, I've, I've seen people that, you know, will submit a W-2, but they've absolutely contributed nothing to their 401k, which I know that the cash flow it, it's, it stinks, but if it's a pre-tax deduction, um, you're going to be saving, you're going to be saving tax on the back end. So it does help. <laughs> And what about, even if there's a listener who maybe some of the terms that you just said didn't ring true or they don't quite understand them, one of the things that I always encourage listeners and not only women, but everyone, ask the questions to financial experts. Well, there's no question that's too elementary. We can Absolutely. lapse into our own jargon, not intentionally, but it's, it's the world in which we live. And you know what? Sometimes it's better to just pick up the phone and have you know, five or 10 minute conversation rather than going back and forth over text or email. It's just, it's just, it goes a lot better if you're on the phone and talk, mm -hmm. talk the whole situation out. Terrific. Okay. I want to talk about boomers 
I can relate to this group. I'm well into this group. Uh, as someone in her 60s with grown children now, I'm dealing not only with my own realities of aging, but also how to have these ongoing money conversations with my own family of two daughters who are engaged, weddings, all of these things. They keep coming, sometimes sensitive topics. Retirement is very challenging for most people. Aging, um, how can women be prepared themselves for this phase of life? And if they have a spouse to continue to engage in these money conversations at that phase? Um, I have seen this happen. Actually, in the past year, I've had a lot of um, couples and they, they've either divorced or they have, the spouse has passed away. And um, it's, it's, you know, a little sad when the spouse comes on and they have no, absolutely no idea um, about what their, their situation is, what they own, um, what goes into their tax return. It gets a little scary. It, they're like a deer in the headlights with, with none of that, that background information. I would say when you schedule meetings, again, it should be both of you there at the meeting, listening to the whole thing. The other thing is, is it's uncomfortable, but you do need to sit down with your parents and see where their assets are, or Mm -hmm. is there a list or what they maintain? My father, God love him. He is meticulous. He keeps a a binder. Um, He has showed me several times where it is and how to access it Um, because just in the event anything Mm -hmm. happened to him, I at least would know where, where his assets are, where his assets are in his records. So again, sometimes we have to jump into what is uncomfortable new territory for a conversation, but it's going to be worth it to go ahead and take that leap, even if it has to happen a couple of times to, to get there, right? Absolutely. And then do you find that even after one of these very, very challenging times when women are getting to the other side of it, if they have you there in a year or so, do you often see that that confidence has grown? Sometimes it takes several years. And then sometimes there's people who still don't want to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. They just want you to kind of handle it for them. Mm-hmm. But I always, I always find it's better to, for you to be in the driver's seat Right. Well, you know, and then how fortunate for those who maybe if they don't want to be in the driver's seat, they have a they have a trusted driver and that's you, <laughs> somebody you're firm to to get them to that phase. But, you know, I want to go maybe to something perhaps a little bit more positive, And that's this whole notion of our financial resources as a path to our aspirations and our dreams. You know, the To me, the whole point of it is peace of mind, yes, but also how can these financial resources really help us live the life we dream of? At Howland, do you ever have conversations with your clients about the fact that these financial resources, what do you want to do? What, What, you know, what's the biggest thing you can dream of? Or even what does success look like? I would imagine those can be really fun conversations to have. From my perspective, those are always come up with how little tax can I pay? (laughs) (laughs) That is a financial dream from uh, (laughs) the people I work with. If if they come come up with not owing anything or or very, very little, 
or their tax bill is in line with what they they kind of had expected it to be. Um, well, it's tangible. <laughs> it, it's tangible. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. <laughs> you know, we started on on a on a personal note, and um, do you do you find that you're thinking that way about your own dreams and aspirations and? <laughs> And gee, you know, I've got this financial career and yes, right now I'm in the middle of a busy, expensive family life, but wow, you know, where is this all taking me? I do. And um, I also find that you need to find your own personal happiness and you need to invest in yourself and what makes you happy at the end of the day, just you, not your kids, not your spouse, but what makes you happy. I'm kind of coming out the other side of my children being a little bit older and a little more self-sufficient where I can actually think about this uh, Good. again. So uh, lately it has been getting outside and being as active as can be. The other thing is, is finding something to, to do with your spouse that you can enjoy together. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a very, <laughs> come to find out, a very, very difficult thing to find um, sometimes. Uh, my husband loves to ride a mountain bike. I will never put my butt on a mountain bike. It's just, I'm with you there. I'm with you there, <laughs> but we do enjoy skiing together. And that has been a true pleasure to do with him um, and to spend some time with him that way. So, and skiing is also one of those things where you can do um, with your children and, and not, um, not watching them do it. So you can be an active participant, do it right alongside them. So it's been, that's, it's a good sport in that. In right. That. So that, that financial stability, if that is not such a dominant challenge on a day-to-day basis that really gives you the room to live your life. As they say in the airplanes, you need to put your own mask on, oxygen mm-hmm. on first. So take care of yourself before you start taking care of others. And uh, it's been actually, COVID has been good for me in the sense where I have been forced, not forced, but in a good way forced to do that. I have a little extra time. I try to take care of myself and you know get exercise very first thing in the morning. And it sets the tone for the rest of my day. And um, it's so much easier to take care of others when you've taken care of yourself first. Indeed. And isn't that, that's true in, in all things and true in uh, where we began, which is really gaining the confidence, competence, and using our connections and our collaborations to help all of us women, in this case, uh, be as, as uh, engaged with, this, with our financial lives as we can be and feel, and feel good about them. Well, Carolyn, it has been such a pleasure to dig into some of these beginning stories with you. I know we look forward to our next podcast when we're going to take some of the tidbits that you've given and maybe uh, explore some case studies in a little more detail. And then building upon your comments, we'll be producing a blog that will be, that will be uh, there for all of the readers to see uh, later on in the next few weeks. But we just want to thank you for sharing your personal money story and some of the wisdom that you've gained as a financial expert in working with clients. And thanks again very much for this conversation today. This has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Want to learn more about Howland Capital? Visit howlandcapital.com to find out more.